0: Today on the SNC podcast, I chop it up with Japheth Joshua Omojoa. Japheth is a Nigerian public speaker, blogger, political commentator, and social media expert. He has written for news platforms such as CNN, This Day, Sahara Reporters, the Financial Times, to name a few. He is the founder and chief strategist at Alpha Reach, one of Nigeria's foremost digital media companies. Japheth is also the brains behind the Omojua Foundation, a non-profit organization dedicated to developing and promoting policies that serve the need of the less privileged, while simultaneously advocating for the collective progress and development of Nigeria and the African continent. This year, he accomplished another impressive feat. He became an author. His book, Digital, The New Code of Worth, has been well-received and continues to serve as a talking and reference point on social media. The premise of digital, the new code of wealth is the digital space provides the African continent with the incredible opportunity to create a variety of solutions that address the numerous challenges that individuals, governments, and institutions face in a data-driven world. Now, whether you are in the music business or you are simply trying to grow your social media platforms, I guarantee that you will leave this episode learning a thing or two or possibly more. Welcome to the SNC podcast, Jaffeth. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> me. I'm happy to have you here. Pleasure's mine. So first of all, congratulations on becoming, how do you pronounce this? Shevenin or she, how do you pronounce that word? Shevenin. Or, Shevenin. Mm. Congratulations on be, becoming a Shevenin Scholar. Thank you. And on your admission, I hope hopefully I'm right to King's University?
1: You no, know, no. I was admitted to a number of universities, including King's College London. Uh-huh. But I will be taking up the offer from the University College London.
0: Oh, congratulations. Thank so is that we're gonna be studying behavior change?
1: Behavior change.
0: Okay, and that's at the Faculty of Brain Sciences. Yes. Wow. What made you choose that field of study? And why are you even go- first of all, why are you even going back to school?
1: I I mean, I'm just saying, I think like lots of people will say, I'm tired of school. I'm I'm trying to add an an extra layer to a lot of my learning in the past decade has Mm. been experiential Mm. through work, through travel, Mm. through meeting people, networking, Mm -hmm. books. I want to add a layer of behavior change to all of these things because I think that the coming together, the intersection of behavior change and digital is going to be very, very massive in the coming years.
0: So you're a forward thinker. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Mm. And second, you recently released a book, Digital, The New Code of Digital Wealth. Digital,
1: which, The New Code of Wealth. My bad. The New
0: Code <laughs> of Wealth. So Digital, The New Code of Wealth, which has been well received. Mm. So congratulations. Thank you. You are well known as a blogger, you're a social media commentator, and you're also a pub- public speaker, excuse me. I also know that you are from Ondo State and you attended King's College for your secondary education. And for undergrad, you attended the University of Agriculture at Belkota, which is UNAB, and apparently it's now FUNAB. Mm. So is it the federal university? US yes, Food Federal. Oh, okay. Where you studied agricultural economics. But. Yeah. For me, I just want to better understand what contributed greatly to the man that you are today. So, if you could talk about what what it was like growing up in your family, because I just met your brother, so just talk a bit about what it was like growing up in your family.
1: Um. So I'm, I'm writing a book that sort of captures that. So I'm hmm. try. I'm going to try not to say it too much. Okay. But,
0: but give us the exclusives. Go ahead.
1: But it was. It was like Nigeria in a small space, in the sense that there seemed to be a lot of resources, but because you had a lot of people, the resources didn't kind of go around and I was fortunate to be i think really blessed mentally and i was I was getting good results in school, so I was able to get myself have myself in a position where I got the best out of the situation, but all along I was always conscious of the fact that I had the responsibility, not just to my family, but to a large group of people to make the best of every opportunity that I get. I see my, my life as a privilege. So every pedestal, every platform, every layer that I get to add to myself is, is an opportunity to express that privilege by making sure that I am able to spread opportunities Give a helping hand people, and all of these have basically been because of the way I grew up.
0: I asked that question because I think that a lot of time, I was a lot of times rather, I was telling my mom before I came to interview that a lot of times as children we don't really understand how impactful and important the words our parents and adults who are influential in our lives, what they tell us, we don't really understand the impact it. I guess, how that plays out as we become adults and how, how that tells you what your potential is, what the, all, what the possibilities are. So what was it that made you believe that, you know, here you are talking about platform. Me, as a young child, me, I wanted to just play 10-10. <laughs> 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 platform. Do you understand? So what was it that your parents, was it that your parents just believed that their children
1: needed I, to I, be... I mean, I like to give credit to my parents, mm-hmm. but I'm, but I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I don't think it's about my parents, except maybe for the genes. Mm-hmm. I think it was about me and being very, very conscious early enough and being it it was almost spiritual in in a sense because i was I kind of knew that my essence was beyond me much earlier on, and even though I didn't get consumed in it, so I still would go out and play with other kids and do other stuff. Mm-hmm. But I kind of had a kind of relationship that was beyond me spiritually, mm-hmm. that got me very conscious. And it would be easy to say, oh, you know, I was thinking, but it's, it's, I think it was more natural. It wasn't something that I had to do with it. So I remember very well when I was being taught how to read with some other kids. I remember very, very well that. I was getting it, and the kids were not getting it. And I was like, why are they not? I didn't say, but in my head, I was like, why are they not getting it? And that was not the age where I was getting it because of something that I did Differently, because I didn't do anything differently. But I was conscious of the fact that I was getting it. The other kids were not getting it. And I was asking myself, why are you not getting it? So for that, I can't take credit. And it really speaks to how there are things that we have to learn by ourselves and discover, but there are really things that we brought to this planet. And I think everyone has got something.
0: I really mm. believe that as well. Mm. That is totally random. I was having this discussion with my mother. Like a couple of months back, and I was telling her that I was listening to Oprah. You discuss everything. With I, really do. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I really do. I told her to listen to Oprah's podcast. She had this interview with Tina Turner, and Tina Turner was talking about the death of her son. And she was talking about Oprah was asking her the challenges she faced as a mother, and Turner talked about sadness because he committed suicide. So I say all that to say that I think that a lot of times people also don't forget. People also forget that even when you're pregnant with your child, you have to be happy. You have to you have to read. You have to listen to great music because mm-hmm. that also affects the it brain all, of the child. A, it's all vibrative vibration. Exactly. It's, it's an energy. Exactly. And
1: too many times we're obsessed with the things we see, but. The truth of the matter is the things we don't see control the things that we see. Yes. So, you know, the vibration, the, the kind of energy you transfer yes. really does matter. Some people have cried out experiments about if you're telling one plant, you put them in the same condition, mm-hmm. you're telling one plant very, very positive things, and you're telling another plant very, very negative things. You can see the difference mm-hmm. and the effects. Yeah, I heard about that. And, that. and that's massive. And that's a plant yeah. that you would think were plants. So if... Plants could react to such how vibes, whether negative or positive. How much more Genius. human beings? How much more someone you carry in your body, with your blood, with your genes, everything. Mm-hmm. So it really should go without saying. Yeah, I
0: think. no, yeah, I do. I do discuss everything with my mother. Shout out to my mother. She's Shout super. She's yeah, yeah, super yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love my super mom. mom. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, I, th- I love that. I just think that's so... Because again, it's one thing I always tell people and I always tell my friends and that we really need to be conscious about the words that we use because the words that we use can affirm or can break people's 100%, spirits.
1: So 100%. It should never be in a place where you're constantly being talked down. Never. Mm-hmm. There, should, there should never be a reason for you to stay in a place where the vibes, they don't, just, they don't lift your spirit. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Look... If you check the internet for for treatment for hypertension and, and things like depression, they don't fully treat it, but they actually tell you listening to music is part of the things you, sh- you should do. Mm-hmm. And you know, music doesn't ordinarily, it's not like something you eat, right? It's a sound, mm-hmm. a vibration mm-hmm. that now plays with yeah. your spirit, yes. your mind and it takes it to a place. And it's, it's not something you can fully explain, but it does something to you. Sometimes some of the sounds give you goosebumps. Yeah. And, and you don't even know why you're so like happy. And that's the energy, right? And music is an example, but it speaks to everything else. It speaks to the colors you have around you. Mm. It speaks to the gardens. It speaks to the trees. It speaks to really and truly everything, and especially human beings. It does. Mm.
0: That's awesome. Now let's move on to your book. Mm. Now, for people who have not read the book or have no idea what the book is about, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the premise of the book is that the digital space through the medium of technology and the underlying data provides the African continent with the opportunity to create and develop diverse solutions to the challenges or problems that governments institutions and individuals face in a data-driven world, right?
1: 100%. I, okay. I don't have anything to say. Again. All right.
0: <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, and some of these problems are how to become a cultural influencer, mm. security, education, mm. advocacy. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah, jobs of the
1: Future, okay. FinTech, communicating faith in, in the digital space, mm-hmm. e-government, for instance, mm-hmm. communicating advocacy, activism, Everything. Okay. Really, tried to capture everything in, in about 332, 33 pages. pages mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So because this is a music slash music business podcast, mm-hmm. the core of our conversation is going to focus on chapter 7. Okay. And chapter 7 is the contemporary culture and music business in a data-driven world. Mm-hmm. So while reading your book, mm-hmm. you aptly noted that fans who love an artist's body of work need to connect with their daily idol daily on his or her social media or else it becomes hard for the artist to build a dedicated and passionate followership in a world that never suffers from distraction. Now, do you think that's always true? And I say that because Mm -hmm. I feel like there are certain artists who Mm -hmm. do not post daily. Mm -hmm. They may post
1: weekly or monthly. I mean, I know know one. I know Adele. Adele, I know Adele doesn't culture our our followers. Mm -hmm. She, she, She actually cultures them by ignoring them. And
0: her fans are amazing. Yeah, and,
1: and that's a kind of culture. Right? Yeah. Right? Beyonce does not tweet. And when she posts her stuff on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. 95% of the time, if yeah. 99% of the time, she doesn't come with a caption. Yes. She leaves that to your own imagination. <laughs>
0: yeah. When, right? she, when she has captions, caption, people are like, oh
1: my gosh, the queen has a caption. And the caption is hardly massive. It's yes. just regular stuff. So when I said that, I'm, it's, it's, like every, it's like every rule. There, there are always exceptions. There are always exceptions. But for, if you're going to teach something, you don't teach the exception. You teach, teach the norm, mm-hmm. right? So Adele is an exception. Beyonce is an exception. Mm-hmm. But even then, she had to come on that space. Mm-hmm. She didn't abandon mm-hmm. the space completely. Mm-hmm. The same goes for Adele. You need to have a space where your followers can worship. Even when you're not physically there at the show, even when your your single to your album or visual album or whatever is not out, you need to have that place where your fans can can come together and, and congregate. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Another person that I, I think of is Frank Ocean. Mm-hmm. Frank Ocean is but his fans are
1: dedicated. At, oh
0: my gosh. And also, like before we came on the podcast, I was talking about social media and artists. Mm. Do you think that there's a, thing, there's a thing as too much content as an artist when it comes to sharing stuff on social media? Because sometimes you see some artists or people just um, post stuff and they're like, sorry, I'm flooding your timeline. Because there's a school of thought that, and I was telling you that people say you need to flood the markets to get your content out. Another school of thoughts is that there's a balance because you don't want to become like pure water and Mm. dilute your brand, (laughs) right? But do you think that that concept of balance applies to even upcoming artists or that concept of balance only applies to established artists?
1: I think the answer is cliche. Cliche answers are mostly true. That's Mm -hmm. why they're cliche, right? I think balance and moderation is, is everything. You cannot be unavailable too much. And you cannot be available too much. I'll speak to myself for instance. When I decided that my books were going to come out, I reduced my number of tweets drastically. I reduced my TV interviews drastically. Mm-hmm. I reduced my radio interviews drastically. A great, I reduced my appearance at conferences drastically. And the reason was because I needed to create some form of scarcity. Mm-hmm. You cannot overwhelm people with your content and then release a content that you want them to pay for when you already overwhelm them with free content. Mm. Right. So I think there needs to be a balance. And I think that The most important thing is to continue to measure the impact of what you're doing. Because too many times people just do, they don't measure. when I say measure, I don't just mean I have 50,000 followers, I have 5 million followers. I mean, how are people reacting to the content you're posting? Are they really engaging in it? Are they like asking for more? By the way, the fact that they're asking for more does not mean you have to give them more, of course. Do they prefer your videos? Do they prefer your... Your pictures? Do they prepare you dropping snippets of your songs? It's it's about measuring everything. And from the book, you would see people like Mr. Easy kind of do that really well.
0: I mean, I think, yeah, you're right. The the answer is cliche, but I I just... Because I was thinking about the fact that someone who's an upcoming artist, does that upcoming artist
1: have the luxury of balance? You know, as as an upcoming artist, you need to bombard us. You cannot become pure water in the beginning because we did not even know you before. Pure water did not start out as pure water on day one. Okay. It became pure water eventually. Sure. So you will bombard us, and then you will hold back when you see that this thing started to grow by itself, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like life itself. When you're starting out something, certain things that you have to do something every day, mm-hmm. and then the time comes. It's like planting a tree or planting some seed. The time comes when you don't have to do that watering every day. Time mm-hmm. comes when it becomes organic. It it takes the what it. it it just it's able to take water from the soil by itself. It's able to do everything by itself. It's still natural. Sure. You still make sure that things are going right. You're still committed to it, of course, but the physical commitment of always posting something, always putting water in this case is, is not is not the case. The most important thing is to keep watching and keep looking and keep asking, okay, is this working? What can work? Yeah. And to always be ready to evolve with the with space. Mm.
0: Okay, Going back to measuring the impact. I'm measuring
1: so. is very important.
0: It's very true. Now, what advice would you give to artists to ensure that in the words of Nina Simone, they reflect the times. Artists, how can they ensure that they're reflecting the times without being crucified for speaking their minds or what they believe is their truth? Because Nina Simone believes that artists must reflect the times through Mm. their music, right? Mm. But I think that in 2019, Mm. we live in a, I guess, world now that there's this intense cancel culture. Mm. We have this oblig- we place this obligation on people that are either cultural influencers or musicians, mm. actors, whomever, to have an opinion. And when you have an opinion, and it's not an opinion that people think is popular. And mm. I'm not saying like you have a racist mm. opinion. No, mm. just mm. like you have an opinion. Mm. So for an artist, how do they ensure, how do they even walk that line? Because before you go on, look at the situation with, xenophobic attacks on Nigerians and Nigerian businesses. Artist A or B voiced his her opinion. And people are like, what the hell are you talking about? And artist B or C said the same thing. Oh my gosh, we stand for you. And I'm just like, okay, are people confused? So how do artists walk that line?
1: I think the first thing is to educate yourself. True. Rule number one, do not say anything if you don't have something sensible. It's better not to be quoted than to be quoted a fool Right. Mm-hmm. So educate yourself. Try and ask people. Like, there are people that are like massive, big leaders, cultural leaders. When something happens on social media, and they need to talk, they they call me and they try to get a perspective. And these are people that have congregations of fifty thousand, thirty thousand, twenty thousand, and where you add their social media, you're speaking millions. But they still call so like, okay, so what's the issue? Okay. What was the Nigerian path, what's the African path and they would distill it and I'm like, if you're going to talk, you speak to this angle, you speak to this angle please never speak to this issue, never speak to this angle. I also remember when the French president was visiting Nigeria, I got a call from his team and they were like what are the things he can talk about, what are the things he must avoid and we had that conversation it's the same thing you have to do as an artist now, there are times that no matter what you do or say, some people just want to cancel you. But, you know, don't be dismayed. Don't Don't be sad. First of all, most of the people that are leading the cancel cultures don't have other jobs other than to cancel. So where they don't have anyone to cancel, you might be the one that they just pick up to cancel. But the most important thing is do not go out there to say anything if you don't know what to say. So educate yourself and find your essence. It's better to speak to an issue from your own essence and from your own experience. So if you go into that conversation via your experience, there's a legitimacy that comes from that. That means you're not just trying to speak because it's a trending topic. You're speaking because it is personal to you. A South African artist that was at the BET and got an award, I don't want to mention the name, so I'm not going to mention the year, reached out to me and started to say, you know, I was very, very harsh on South Africa, that some of these things did not happen, blah, blah, blah. And then I spoke to her about my experience in South Africa, and not just once, not just twice, and then that was how we that was how I engaged that conversation that i'm not and this was even private. I'm not just speaking as a Nigerian, I'm not just speaking as an influencer. I have been there. Mm. this is my story, and I think that legitimacy. Anyone that wants to come against you has to they have to check themselves because now you're speaking from personal experience. Now where you do not have personal experience, you can look out for someone else's experience that you heard about. And then you, you get into that space and then you have that conversation. And you can learn from most American presidents, minus the current one, when they want to have conversations about issues, they always talk about some person that they met when they went to vote or when they traveled or when they Mm -hmm. went to campaign and they use that person to tell the story or they they say their grandmother, their grandfather or their dad or they talk about themselves. So stories, educating yourself, understanding the stories, if it's not your story, finding out other person's story and then getting into it. But whatever you do, don't go and do it because you don't want to be cancelled. You don't need that. I think
0: a lot of times people don't really understand that one. It's okay for you to be quiet Mm -hmm and not say anything, do your yeah. research. Yeah. And then if maybe you're caught off guard and someone should ask you a question, maybe you go for an interview, you go for an event and they're asking you a question. You can just say, I don't know, I haven't done the research to comment on this. You can actually ask me later. And I say that because I was listening to this Sports Center podcast on the Sterling, Don- Donald Sterling, it's called the Sterling Affairs. When Donald Sterling, the past owner of the Clippers, he made the racist remark and LeBron James was interviewed. And the reporter asked him a question and he said that he didn't have any um, idea on what he was going to say, but that he was going to get back to her. And he actually
1: did. So it goes back to that whole point that you said. Of, you don't have do you, to know Exactly. exactly. You don't, and you shouldn't let people put you on the spot. You mm-hmm. don't have to talk about everything. Yes. You so, have a right to say, um, I have not explored enough on this. I exactly. haven't done my research on this. I would prefer to talk about this later when I have. I have very limited information. Exactly. So that he gets crucified for that. Yeah, if exactly. you get crucified for that, maybe it's a, it's a slow news day and mm-hmm. people just need someone to drag.
0: Mm-hmm. So that you don't become like those memes that people are showing on. Yeah, like,
1: because it starts to look like a clown, exactly. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that technology and social media has led to more harm than good? Because you mentioned, let me paraphrase, you said that technology has led to the constant sharing of music and information and the ease of accessibility and speed of interaction and communities built in the digital space. This has allowed fans to relate and interact over a shared passion, the artist. Now, I think social media has exposed the insecurities that we have as individuals. Um, Now, for an artist who is upcoming and even someone who's established, you go on their Instagram pages and it seems like people just sometimes want to be negative. So how do you talk, how do you balance the fact that, yeah, we have social media being for good and at the same time here people using it for a negative thing and it's something that's very,
1: very hurtful. It's normal and expected. When you gather people together in a space and you leave them to express themselves and they also can afford to cover their faces, they can afford to cover their names, they will do very, very stupid things. They will and that's just normal and that's exactly what the internet offers. In fact, in this case, there is no physical interaction. This, this person could be some bona fide fool in, in some closed space, some locked up space, some very, very isolated space, and just throwing out the, uh, the negativities and all the bad vibes in them. You need to pay attention to yourself. And in that sense, it means that you need to understand that you don't know what these other people are going through. So for me, for instance, on, on Twitter, I just block you So I used to mute people. I didn't used to block people. And I used to advise, you know, don't block anybody, just mute. And then I realized that when I mute you, I don't hear what you're saying, but you're still influencing my space because my followers and those that are engaging me are seeing your nonsense. Mm -hmm. So I realized, okay, muting is not enough. So I just block you. Now you can continue to talk and do whatever you do, but not in my space. And I mean, look, for me, my space is very, very important, whether it is physical or digital or mental. I curate my space. You have to. I, I make sure that I want, not in terms of control, because I'm not going to control what you say to me, whether it is negative or positive, but do not try to chip on my happiness. Because that's what happens. Like Little by little, you think it's just one bad comment, and then two, and then three, and then there's a comment together, and then you actually find out that this thing is, has, they have effects on your day. So for me, you have to go find a way to treat it if... Especially for those that have a lot of followers, you cannot avoid trolls if you have a lot of followers. It's it's just normal. You you have millions of followers. It's just statistically speaking, you have fools amongst them, right? You have idiots. This is not like me trying to diss. It's just normal where you have Mm -hmm. that much number of people. So the most important thing is if you have to mute mute. for me, if you have to block really and truly block, they didn't elect you to be popular after all said and done, you're a human being, and mm-hmm. you need to take care of that human being to even do the things you want to do. Yeah. You need to take care of your essence, and taking care of your essence means that you need to find a way to make sure that things that that affects your happiness and your focus don't get in the way of your day. Because the
0: reason why I was asking that, or oh, I did ask that question, is just because, especially with artists that we consider, not we particular, but Nigerians consider, alter sometimes it seems like the amount of bashing that they receive, and I'm just like, really? What is what is really going on? Is it that people just want to hate people for hating sake, or they think that these kids are privileged, or... You just generally don't like the person's music. But well, sometimes the comments just I don't know. So that I was just thinking about an upcoming artist having to deal with that barrage of hateful comments every single time and that can be very very discouraging.
1: Trust me, it really can be because not all of us are made with thick skin. Yeah. Some sometimes you have to even build that thick skin by being in that space, but ultimately you need to like, be very responsible for yourself. You also try your best not to take things very personal. personal. Because people are going to relate to you according to their own realities, not according to your own reality. And you know your reality. You know what it is about. You continue to try to educate people. For those that are interested in being educated and trying to put information out so that they can see things and try and understand you. But some people, it's like trying to wake somebody who is pretending to be asleep. You know, it's easier to wake somebody who is fast asleep and deep into sleep that wake someone who is pretending to be asleep. Because when it comes to the person that is pretending to be asleep, the decision to wake up depends on that person. Mm. So some people do not care for whatever you have to say whatever you do. They just do not want you around. They mm. just do not like your face. They don't like your hand. They don't like your space. And they'll do everything to attack you. Yeah. If you can keep them out of your space, do that. Because how many of us would allow people to come into our homes to just be stupid and say very, very mean things and very, very bad things? I mean, I wouldn't. I'm going to lock you out and lock you out of the gates, right? You can do it on the streets that is a shared space, but not in my space. And that's exactly how I do my social media.
0: Yeah, no, because it's one of the reasons why it's been hard for me to take my Instagram profile off private. (laughs) 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 Because people keep saying, how can you have a podcast? I'm like, my podcast, my podcast page is is public. Mm. But my personal page, I can't just imagine someone... I think you should open it. It's
1: hard, Jafferth. I it's really you know, hard. The reason why I say so is because so we live in a we live in a personality culture. I know. It's not enough for people to like what you're doing. It's also important that they are able to follow you. Yeah, I know. And this, this is not just about artists. I mean even pastors. I've I've tested it. There are times that one of my pastor clients, when she posts a regular Bible verse with a with a regular image, just the text, she doesn't get as much likes as when she posts that verse with her own picture. Maybe she's jogging or just in a nice place. She yeah. gets, people want to relate with a person, yeah. even though they like your content and your essence. So yeah. you need to find that balance. You know, you can always manage these other people that, that, that misbehave, yeah. really and truly.
0: I'll think about it. You also stress in the book that it is important for artists to have a social media presence, which you are just chastising me for, (laughs) and to understand how to make data work for them. Now, a few days ago, I came across a tweet by Jonathan Master, and he's an artist manager in America. And he said that, and I quote, Data has folks chasing artists who are great at promoting themselves and not necessarily at making great music. Promoting yourself is a great skill set, but it does not make you a special artist. Now, taking that into consideration, what advice would you give to an artist who is truly special and talented and wants to get noticed and make great music, but does not know how to develop a very strong social media presence?
1: Mm. First of all, let me say that your essence is the music in this case, right? So it's good that you already have that essence, which is the music. Then you now have to go the extra mile of learning how to use social media. There's there's a huge difference between people who hire people to manage their social media and people that actually run their social media. Even when you eventually become big and you get to hire people to manage those spaces, it's good to also maintain your your presence there. So sometimes you you put things out. Like I still I, I have people that manage my social media, but I'm still very much there because people know when it's no longer you <laughs> yeah. and they want to relate to you, not some hired person or some yeah. robot. So you have to go out of your way to learn. And learning could be the difference. Mm-hmm. Learning that skill. People say, you know, I'm not a social media person. If you really want to make this money and you want to build this career, low, low. you have to do it. It's not even about loud, loud. It's about, you know, making enough to pay your bills and, yeah. you know, do life. You know, if for you it is loud, loud, then that's fine. That's what I'm saying. But you, it's not a choice thing. You don't have a choice to say, I'm not going to be there. Because the too mm-hmm. If both of us start out with the same ability, with the same opportunities, all equal, if I do better with social media, I'm going to be so far gone before you wake up. Because it's, the potential, and I speak as someone who's been there, who's done this and that, it's magical. The power, the effects, what it can do to your career, it cannot be overemphasized. So you have to go out of your way. To understand, if it means going to Google, how can I do Twitter better? How can I do Instagram better? How can I use tools to make my music? How can I go viral with my content? And then start to schmooze influencers in that space. How do you schmooze them without coming across as a kiss-ass? So, so for me, schmoozing is looking out for the person's interest. Mm-hmm. Because human beings are very selfish, and I don't have a problem with that. Yes. So... If I'm going to schmooze you, I'm going to come to your space I'll try to find out what thing I can say to improve your space. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, my God, I love your, I love your podcast so much. Do your podcast, you now? Yeah, I follow your podcast. Do it's really you? so beautiful. Then maybe two, three days later, you release another. And I'm like, you know, one thing I liked about this person's interview was that you asked him this person and, and you asked him this question and he, he came like this. Aww. And then he thought, I'm like, you know, I was listening to your podcast and I thought maybe you should try and address this and address that. You start to pay attention to me and you're paying attention to me not because I came to ask you for something. You're paying attention to me because I'm mm-hmm. trying to help you fix some I'm getting I'm making you very, very happy. I'm I'm releasing some dopamine in your brain that's making you feel very, very either good yes. or very very grateful to me. Yeah. When I come a month later or two months later, to say, you know, I just released this content. I was just wondering, or to say you know, I'm just an artist. I'm, I'm trying my best. I, I, your platform would do me a lot of good. You'd be in a much better place to listen yeah. That to come like most people do. Uh, you, somebody, so somebody told one of my friends who has a TV show, you, you're always bringing people on your TV show. People, and all these people, I'm sure they are your friends. People like us, you don't bring us. So this person now, oh yeah, come on the TV show. Then they will ask this person questions and just be bagging all over the place. It <laughs> make sense. And then, of course, that was it, right? I have a bad call. Sorry. You know, that okay. was it, right? Uh-huh. So the other thing is you, you have to always be ready. Because yes. it's not enough to go and schmooze. You. Personally, I, I avoid asking for help. But if I must ask for help, it's going to be something very, very big. But I will never come to ask you for help without having done something for you, mm. for me. And for me, that's the best way to influence people and make mm. them do things for you. Let them feel indebted to you. Too many times people look at someone and they say, oh, this person already has a lot of money, this person already has a lot of followers. So it does look like they don't have anything to do to you, to give you, but that's not true. Yeah, That's not true at all, I'm telling you. No, Everybody has something that you can do that can make them feel grateful to you. No, and sometimes it also requires for you to be very patient and consistent. Yeah. Too many times we want things to happen sharp, sharp, because of course things happen sharp, sharp in our generation. Mm-hmm. But not everything happens sharp, sharp, even now.
0: Yeah, and I think before we move on from this topic is the fact that it's really important proper grammar and being respectful. Being cultured. Exactly. <laughs> Do you see this? Do you see this? Hey. Being cultured. You see, I told you. Maybe <laughs> being cultured. and culture. Being very cultured when you reach out to people. Don't be rude and disrespectful. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Final question before we begin to wrap up the podcast is... You have this ever-present rhetoric, which is also in your book and just in general amongst people in the music business industry that many talented artists miss out on opportunities in the music business because they ignore the business of the music and the fact that the music business is the business of data. Now, besides the business of data and following the numbers, having the right team, media support, and obviously having luck... (laughs) are there any other things or strategies that you have noticed that nigerian musicians overlook or completely ignore as they try to achieve local and eventual
1: global domination i think that speak to the global domination i think we're trying to jump the gun with respect to global domination so take the average american person that blows in america they've been underground for sometimes for years it's just like when you blow in nigeria when you blew in Nigeria, you become mainstream, but there are a lot of people that already knew you. Bonner was a superstar in certain parts of Nigeria. Potakot, yeah. Bef- right? You know, I, let me just and mention Potakot, yeah, yeah, South-South. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before, he, before he, you know, he became the mainstream Bonner that he is now, right? Now, now he's Africanized, It's going global. Bonner is actually more or less a mainstream act in the UK. Mm-hmm. I can say that for free now. Like, So the thing is, we, we want to do a collab with a superstar in America, and expect that that collaboration will break you. It will not break you. You need to find the balance between constantly trying to hit the gusher. So when I say gusher, it's like engineering when they're looking for oil or something Mm -hmm. on the ground. You're digging and digging and digging. When you're doing the digging, it looks like you're just exerting yourself, your energy and nothing is coming out. Mm -hmm. But you're making progress. And then eventually something pops and then You know, Davido, Whiskey, Bonner Boy, Battle Rankin, Tiwa Savage, and some of these guys that are like knocking on the doors of this international appeal—they have the Don Jazzy and the DeBarge to thank, because whilst Oliver Twist didn't do as much as Wheezy's, um feature mm-hmm. with with Drake, it introduced. It stopped. It, it, it was the song that. When you now listen to a, another Afrobeat song, you wouldn't feel like this is strange. Mm-hmm. So it was this song that unstranged Afrobeat yeah. in those spaces. People would people could like. You may not even be able to pinpoint it, but there was a I've, I've heard this sound mill, yeah. before, right? So it's and it's gradual. The next generation of artists will. So there was a time to to even feature an international act was a big deal. Now, if you feature international acts, if you sound no good, the thing is wasted. Nobody cares because it's no no longer a big deal. In the the next generation, when I say the next generation, in the next five, ten years, it would be the norm. And people won't do it because they want to say, I featured an international act as it was. They will do it for the business reason. They will do it because even that international acts want some African Afrobeat flavor, like like Beyoncé did with her album. Beyoncé's album is not going to... Establish Afrobeat as that genre in, in that space. It's continuous. It's constant knocking on the door. One door comes down, then you keep knocking. You go into the inner room before you finally get into the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> You can't just enter a space and then you're coming for the first time. You never pass compound. You want to just go to the place where you are trusted and everybody's shouting mis- your Michael name. And I'm mispr- no.
0: Michael Boat. I'm Miss... Michael What's his name? Uh, Usain, I'm a, Usain I'm Boat. I'm Miss Printer now. No, yeah, no. Like, it's,
1: it's it's gradual, right? It's yeah. gradual. Yeah. That's a very... <laughs> <laughs> I have no words. I beg.
0: Mm. <laughs> I'm still coughing. Mm. But that's not that. That's a very apt, though, because... I think a lot of times when I see Nigerian artists feature international acts, it sometimes ups, upsets me when mm. I don't
1: see the artist even just tweet about the song mm. or even just share the... I, you I, know. If, if I was an artist, I would never have a feature with you yeah if you don't post it on your instagram and your twitter yeah at least just, once yeah because you need to acknowledge if you don't acknowledge it then what's the point what i
0: wanted to just say before going to my final question before i wrap it up is the fact that we were talking before we came on air about just also upcoming artists understanding that your goal should not be your, your goal should not be to have a song that will blow because if you have a song
1: you can speak about that. go ahead i know you want to speak about that yeah i mean so the thing is i mean you want to have a song that blows not blow that, that becomes a monster <laughs> if you have a monster song out as first your first time, song yeah that's a big problem for someone that actually wants to have a career because so that song blows it enjoys the waves for three months four months if you're very very lucky maybe let me even say six months Then after that, everything you do is you constantly trying to live up to the hype of that one song. Mm -hmm. It's a dangerous place to be. I know that you don't plan for a song to become monstrous. Of course, some Mm -hmm. songs just take a life of their own. Where that happens, they have a responsibility to now promote yourself so you now have to compete with your own song for Mm -hmm. attention Mm -hmm. because people know your song but they don't exactly know you so your face has to be in Mm -hmm. our faces Mm -hmm. your name has to be in our faces outside of Mm the song so you're doing things that has nothing to do with the song because when that song goes down and you don't have a name that can hold it down then you're going down with it you're yeah. going, down. and I don't want to give you examples, but we know. Just thinking about it as you're listening, just start to think about it. You know, people that they had massive songs, and then when the songs went down, they went down with their songs. They still continue to do the music and the stuff, mm-hmm. but they never anywhere close to the layer yeah. that those massive songs took them to. Yeah. So I think for a new act, it's, it's just the way life is. You don't want to start from the top; you want to take it gradually. It's gradual gradually, it's a gradual process. The, Eventually, people start to pay attention to you. Eventually, you have a reasonably, reasonably blown song, and then you take it from there. And that that gradual process helps you to help people to know you and your essence as a person, as a as an artist, as much as they now know your different songs. But if you coming out and you have a song, a single, your first time, and it's boah. Ah, <laughs> it sounds like initially it's a good thing, it looks like a good thing, but ultimately, more often than not, it becomes a really, really bad thing. And I a lot of artists can, re- a number of artists can of relate course, to this. Of song. course, of course. But I'm not the kind of person that, like, you know, call names when yeah. it's negative. No, of course. Mm-hmm. And I
0: think, again, I think that's a very key key thing that you said. Like, even if your song becomes astronomically amazing, mm-hmm. it blows, as we say in Nigeria, mm-hmm. promote yourself outside of your song. You have to. It's important. Yeah.
1: because Because what happens is, when, when a song blows like that, when, when a superstar has a song that blows, there are two realities. There is a, star, there is a song that has blown and there is a superstar. They are all big in their own right, right? But when an unknown quantity, relatively unknown quantity, has a song that really, really blows, what happens is your song is bigger than you. So what you must do is now be as big, even bigger than your song, so that people will know that you in your own right you are even more than worthy of that song. Yeah. Right? And people try to do it by releasing other songs. Not not exactly. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly what you should do. Because what you are going to you're trying to chase the song with a song. Yeah. What you should do is establish yourself by doing other things. More media appearances. Maybe not even talking about the song, but let people know it's yes. your song. Because if you don't do that, when that song disappears, your career suffers with it. Yeah, mm. the, qu- the quickness with which you go there from are, an a artist. There are loads of examples to yeah. pick from. Of course, again, that's not always the case. There mm-hmm. are people that have survived it. There are new artists that have survived it. But yes. more often than not, most do not. Yeah. So being able to separate the fact that your song has blown and you have blown is, yeah. a, is, a, is a very important thing. Yeah,
0: which I think a lot of Nigerian artists they, um, they ignore. No, no. Most people don't even yes. know. They,
1: they can't even relate to... How can you say my song has blown? I, and mean, I have not blown. Yes. No, no. Are, even I, who pays attention, I know songs that I don't know the people that sang them. Mm-hmm. So yes, your song don't blow, but you never really blow. Yeah. Of course, it affects your, your bank balance and ability to get shows, but you haven't blown to the point where you now have a presence at mm-hmm. the table. You are here, you're, you're in that space, you've come in, but... After the sun goes down, we'll tell you, okay, Oga, good night. Yes. You want to stay in that space for much longer. Yes. You know, people are there for 20 years now, like two-faced. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: There's a reason why, right? Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Now, moving away from the book, Victor Asamata tweeted the most dangerous thing in Africa. And I think it's this question, I think, is tied to one of my previous questions. He said, the most dangerous thing in Africa is now the internet. And Haruna Waziri, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, qualified the tweet saying, I think social media, to be more precise, is actually what is more dangerous in Africa. Do you agree or disagree with them? I say that because there's a proliferation of, I think, very, very dangerous messages that are being sent on what... I
1: mean, that's the truth. But the thing is, there are are very few things that have good sides that don't have bad sides, and... Because of those things, we haven't exactly said let's let's not have money anymore. Because money has a bad side. Money has a capacity to amplify a person's evil side, a mm-hmm. person's all the all their faults, all the all the bad things that ordinarily would have stayed latent. When money comes, it gets amplified. The same way we 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 didn't stop making guns. We just find a way to make sure that at least outside of America, we find a way to make sure that bad people don't have access to those guns, that those guns are in the hands of the police and good people, right, more often than not. And for me, it's the same thing with the internet. We need to find a way to let people understand the essence and the power of the internet, which is one of the reasons why I wrote the book, to let them understand, look, it's good to go in this space and have fun and throw people whatever, whatever I want to do, but we better get it. This is an economic power that is right in your potentially speaking. This thing can literally change your life in every way, in every sense. If we let people know that, they start to drive more people towards the, the productive use of the internet and social media. Because the natural human being, when they find something, they abuse it before they start to see its essence and its value. Do not forget, when, when the internet and social media, in the early days of the popularity of social media in Nigeria... It was predominantly for cyber fraud. Predominantly. We didn't have all these coding people, all these programmers and all this. We did not have them in the early days. The Yahoo boys discovered the space before all these uh, startup people. That's the truth, right? In terms of proliferation. No, no, no I, was saying, I, was th- proliferation, I was just thinking back to that's even the truth yes, now no, no, as, a, as a community, as a country, it was for the negative things and also people trying to date and mm-hmm. for, for, for good reasons yes, and trying yes. to have fun. And then eventually it starts to see that there's more to this thing. And I think that Africa, I agree in a way to what they're saying. Yeah, I agree But we need to be careful not to make it look like that's a single story because that's not a single story. That's one side of the same coin. In the hands of some people, it's dangerous. And even for those people, they can be made to see that it can be something that can be useful to their lives. But collectively speaking, it's far more important for Africa in, in terms of what it can do and the lives it can change and the communities it can change That um, to amplify the dangerous side, but of course we need to talk about that side, and that's why in the book I spoke about cybersecurity. That's about to say that the question you is know. actually
0: more. I think mm-hmm. it's more tuned to cybersecurity, but yeah. obviously I can't talk about cybersecurity on this podcast. But yeah. I just, I just, I just had to still yeah, bring because that you question need
1: to let people know that yes. there are dangers and there are other sides to the goodies that you mentioned. Of course, mm-hmm. that's that's why. But I thought
0: it was a very interesting tweet. Now, last, any plans to eventually run for public office?
1: At the moment, I just want to write books and sell books okay. and, and go to school. But if I sat here and said um, I'd never join public office, I'd be lying, because it's very possible, but the timing just has to be right. I'm not going to do it because people expect that, "Ah, this guy, you have to run for office, blah, blah, that's not my kind of person. If the timing is right, if everything falls in place, I'll do it. It's the same way with the writing of the book. People have been begging me to write a book for like eight, seven years, and I didn't do it. But when the time was right, nobody had to beg me. I did it. So maybe someday, but right now it's not in the picture.
0: All right, now let's move on to the fun random questions portion of the interview. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. First question is Voltron, X Men, or Captain Planets? Voltron. You- <laughs> <laughs> They're
1: coming together of different forces to form a super force. My for friend, me. what about Captain Planets? Voltron for me.
0: Number two, your articles have been published on various news platforms, some of which include Sahara Reporters, BBC, the Financial Times, and This Day. If you had to only write for one of these, platforms for the rest of your life? Which one are you picking and why?
1: New York Times. That was not even there. No, no because the other ones I've written. Uh, I know. I now, I, so. I said, is my question. Okay, strictly for this one, yes. that would be Financial Times. Why? Mm. So, for selfish reasons, if if I constantly write for Financial Times, then when my book comes out, then they have a responsibility to push my book. <laughs> and Sahara and BBC don't? They they will too, but I think that Financial Times, the, the reach, the the kind of content yeah. The kind of people that go there, they already pay to yeah, read this true. platform, so yeah. they wouldn't mind paying a couple more quid to, yeah. to buy my book.
0: Yeah, yeah no, the, F- the FT is cool. Third is, if you have female children and they can only attend one school, which of the following three are you going to send them to? Queen's College, Vivian Fowler, or Federal Government Girls College, Shagamu?
1: Vivian Fowler. Vivian what, Fowler because I I know the... Person who runs the school, okay, and I can influence how my girls are looked after and things like that, okay. Um, for the other ones, you know, the federal government, somebody can get moved anytime as a principal, so now you can have a very good principal who is very hands on. Tomorrow, it could be very, very different. So, definitely yeah. be even farther for this one. I keep on saying that you're one of the
0: other Casey boys that's my friend. I generally hate Casey boys, y'all are just annoying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fourth question is favorite words to live by. Favourite was to live by essence, commitment, focus, awake, creative, okay, evolve, rest, fun, growth. That's good. Friendship.
0: That's good. Don't do. Don't do, don't do.
1: Sex. (laughs) Alright, two more questions. Last book that you read. The last book that I read, Talking to Trees by Hmm. Femi Akonde. Okay. Is it good? Very good book. Very okay. good book.
0: Last question. You can only pick one. Sashino Peter's Ijoshino. Plantation Boys, Don't You Know? Or Tiwa Savage's Kele Kele Love.
1: This is very easy. Ijoshino.
0: <laughs> Ijoshino. Jaffer, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. And I want to just add that I am proud of you and all that you have accomplished and congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Today's episode is produced by Apola Shade Anosyeh To ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, or Stitcher Radio. That's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We are also active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Non
1: Bye!